Well, good morning, church. It is my honor once again to add a welcome to the ones you have already received and welcome you to the NDCC online worship experience and tell you, as you know, I always say it is time for a word. And if you're ready for a word from the Lord, wherever you're watching, why don't you put it in the comments? It's time. Say it's time. God is going to speak to us. Last week, we talked about this crucial principle of welcome. And this is something that we believe must characterize our church must be a core characteristic of who we are as believers and people of God in this particular community of believers for God to be able to take us to that next place where God has us, the future of the church. And so I want to ask the question, who did you welcome this week? Who have you welcomed to your table? And do you feel welcome? And do you feel like you are a part of what God is doing? We're going to continue wrestling with these questions. We're not just going to say it once and leave it there, but we're going to continue wrestling with these questions. We have another uh, very important principle that we're going to cover today in Luke chapter 5. But before we get to that, as you're turning or flipping to that, I want to tell you about something really exciting that's coming up in the church. On Sunday, August 1st, we are going to have a welcome back homecoming cookout. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be at Bayview Park, a very recognizable place. It's going to be on Sunday, August 1st from 3 to seven. It's going to be amazing. We're really excited about what God is going to do as we bring the church back together, slowly start to piece it back together. And as we come together celebrating, there's going to be activities for kids, youth. I hope you're ready. And I also hope that you invite people. Okay. I want you to invite people to come to this cookout on Sunday, August 1st. It's going to be a homecoming family reunion style cookout. And we're going to be telling you about ways that you can get involved because we do need your help. We need your involvement. We need your participation. But I just want to say that and tell you that even before we get into all the details so you can mark off that date. Go ahead and put a big red X on that date on the calendar. Sunday, August 1st from 3 to 7. We're really excited. All right. Well, let's get into the text. It says in Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, and it says one day, As Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats and the one belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Verse four says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Will you lift up your hands as we pray right now? God, in heaven, we ask that you would empower us, that you would speak to us through this word. We acknowledge your presence. It is real. It is not a game. It is not fake to us. We know that you are real in us and with us. And God, I pray for those five, what you would have to say to us. Renew our minds. Loose the bonds that may be upon our souls, may be upon our finances, maybe upon parts of our families so that we can live and move freely in your word. God, we know that there can be a fire in anyone's place if there's an iceberg behind this pulpit. So God, light me on fire that I may burn for you, burn for your truth, your love, and your justice. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Well, I remember one time hearing the great actor and celebrity personality Will Smith say something that captured my attention. 
he was referencing a situation where he was skydiving for the first time. He talked about how he felt so much fear and anguish and trepidation. He talked about how he was nervous about what was going to happen and they were giving him instructions. He couldn't believe that it was uh, happening. And then he talked about how his particular, he had a partner jump where he had the trainer that was with him on his back. And so he talked about how he pushed him out at two instead of three and and he was telling this story and then he he culminates it in this statement because he summarized it by saying he was he had a, a tremendous life-altering experience right he felt the closest to God that he's ever felt and he said something that was interesting he said everything good in your life is on the other side of fear he said everything good in your life is on the other side of fear and I remember listening to that and being struck by that statement thinking that it was a healthy statement a challenging statement but I thought about it from the standpoint of those of us who are in the kingdom of God. And what is on the other side? What is the other side for us? What is the obstacle for us between where we are and where we desire to be? What, what is the obstacle? What keeps us from the place God has called us to? And I want to take Will Smith's statement. I want to use some intellectual imagination here. Take his statement and flip it for those of us who are in the kingdom of God and give it to you like this. In the kingdom of God, everything you need is on the other side, not of fear, but of obedience. In the kingdom of God, everything that you need is on the other side of obedience. And here's the truth. It's not always your obedience. Sometimes it's Christ, right? Because we did not have in and of our power, in and of ourselves, the ability to save ourselves. I hope you never forget that. You can't save yourself. You can't clean yourself up wash yourself, make yourself right before God. Only Jesus could do that. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. But here's the truth. Everything that we desire, it's on the other side of us obeying what God has given for us to do. It's on the other side of us doing what God has called for us to do. It's on the other side of our yes to God. And as we talked about last week, when we think about the future of the church, there's one side of it that says we must be a welcoming environment. I want to lean into this reality today. I want to lean into this reality that we must be a church of radical obedience. We must be a church that does the hard things that God calls us to do. Not just the easy things, not just the things that everyone can expect, not just the things that are comfortable to us, not just the things that make us look good. We must do the hard things, and that requires obedience. Now, to be clear, some people have taken the thought and theme of obedience and used it for their own personal gain. I'm not talking about obedience to a person or a place. I'm not talking about obedience to a system or an institution. I'm talking principally about your obedience to God. <laughs> because at the end, you're not going to be able to stand before our church or me or any other pastor or ministry leader or bishop or great Christian personality that you may think that you look up to, you're not going to be able to get into heaven. You're not going to be able to get all your rewards by saying you obey them. It's all about your relationship with God. I'm not talking about this shallow obedience, this, this manipulative obedience that people say, obey us because we speak on behalf of God. No, I hope that you trust me, but I don't want you to obey everything that I say. That's not, that's not the relationship that we have in this church. But when we think about obedience, what is it? It means that we listen to God and we do what God has called for us to do. It is listening 
and doing. That's the principal level, the principal definition of what it means to obey God. And this is fearful for us. This is something that we often look, look back on and say, I don't know if I can do this. We look ahead to what God has called for us to do. We say, I don't know if I can obey God. I don't know if I can say yes to God in these areas. Some areas are easy, some areas are harder. But I want to caution you because obedience is not just about what you do, it's about why you do it. Obedience is not just about the action, it's about the attitude. Obedience is not just about what you do with your hands, but what you believe in your heart. Augustine, he puts it like this, he says, and I'm paraphrasing, that there's a difference between the people who obey from fear and the people who obey from love. <laughs> we don't obey from fear of God. We obey out of love for God. All that God has done for us should lead us to a level of obedience, lead us to a level of submission to the plan of God, lead us to a level of alignment. That's the word for the year, right? Alignment with what God has called for us to do. We don't obey from fear, we obey from love. And there's something that you also need to understand, not just the motive, not just the attitude, not just the definition, not just the object, but you also need to understand how it's going to grow you as a believer. One theologian has put it like this, you don't figure it out until you live it out. <laughs> you don't figure it out until you live it out. It is not enough for me to preach a word to you. It is not enough for the worship team to sing a song over you. It is not enough for you to read a book. It is not enough for you to hear someone else's testimony. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live through someone else's life. I don't want to live through someone else's experience of, of God. I want to live it out for myself. I want to live out what God has called for me to do and how God has called for me to obey. You can't figure it out until you live it out. That's what obedience is all about. And so when we think about this concept of obedience, I'm framing it like this because I really want us as a church to remember that to be able to do all that God has called for us to do, to be able to go to and prepare for the future of the church, to be able to be a healing place for a hurting, devastated community. We must obey what God has called for us to do, even the things that are hard. And in Luke chapter 5, we see a story of obedience. And what we find out through this story of obedience is the cost is great, but the gain is greater. The cost is great, but the gain is greater, church. Luke chapter 5, we see that Jesus is heading to a place, and as he is heading to a place, he is going back on this seesaw at the end of Luke chapter 4 from going into the community and preaching in the synagogues. Jesus proclaims in Luke chapter 4 his purpose statement, right? He says, quoting Isaiah 61, that the Spirit of the Lord God has appointed me to preach the good news unto the poor. He's anointed me to, to set the captives free, to, to recover the sight of those who are blind, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. It's Jesus' purpose statement, but he doesn't just stay in the synagogue. He also goes out into the community people and then goes back into the synagogue to preach and goes out into the community and heals people because it's not enough to proclaim that you love people on Sunday. Who are you healing Monday through Saturday? And Jesus is walking through, and, and he says, the text says here in translation, talks about it as the Sea of Galilee and other places and other texts in the Gospels. And here's what we see is that Jesus is preaching to the crowd, and, and picture this, the crowd is gathering around, and the crowd is gathering around, and they're crowding him. And then Jesus, imagine he's talking and turns to the side and sees that there are boats that are sitting on the shore 
of this particular body of water and he sees that there are some fishermen who are probably dejected and slumped over and they're cleaning off their nets from a hard night's work. And of course, those of you who are familiar with this passage know that this is the place where Jesus calls Simon and his brother to come and follow him. Simon and his brother, fishermen by trade, men who are working hard, men who are putting in honest labor. And this is their calling story. But this is it's apropos for us when we think about obedience, because you should know this. Every calling from God comes with the challenge of obedience. Every calling from God comes with the challenge. If you've been called to be a husband or a father, a wife or a mother, a son or a daughter, if you've been called to be a part of a family or church community, or you've been called to be a part of a vocation or a profession, it comes with this challenge of being obedient. And here we see Jesus, he sees them cleaning off their nets. And he sees that they're dejected from not getting. And later on, a couple of verses later, we find out that they've been out all night long. And don't think about this as just simply fishermen who are casting a line. They have huge nets. These were sometimes five, six feet wide, and they had weights on the other ends of it, and they had to constantly push down and pull back up and get nothing, constantly cast out the nets and pull them out and get nothing. And they did it again and again, and they touched different parts of the body of water and it wasn't just two boats there. It was probably that we're trying to do the same exact thing. And maybe someone else got something and they didn't. And maybe they tried. And some people may have had what they needed. And so they left and they just had to keep casting and pulling, casting and pulling. And there's something interesting here, church, because obedience is required of them. And some of you know what it's like to work and labor and toil and work and labor and toil and work and labor and toil and come up empty and Jesus still asks you to give more. Do you know what that's like? Am I talking to myself? Is it just, is it just me? I think there's a few people who know exactly what that's like, that you've worked so hard and you've labored and you've toiled and it seems like things aren't going as they should be going. It seems like you're coming up empty. It seems like you don't have the access and the ability that everyone else has. It seems like your neighbor is getting blessed more than you. It seems like your family members are flourishing and you're floundering. It seems like you're not able to get what God has called for you to do. And you're saying, is it me? Is it something I'm doing? Is it something I don't? And I keep casting out and pulling back and my nets come up empty. Do you know what that's like? To work and to labor and to toil and to come up empty. And Jesus looks at you and says, do this for me more. Give me more. Jesus uses their boat as a platform, stands on top of the boat, then they cast it out into the water and he's able to teach the people. And I can't even imagine what it would be like for, for Simon Peter and for Andrew to be in this space and for them to look around and say, why are we here? Why is this teacher asking this of us? He's asking for us to obey. Does he not realize how long we have been out here? We've casted the nets and pulled them back and came up empty again and again and again. And Jesus is saying, do this for me. And I'm here to tell you something, church. It's a principle about obedience that you must understand is that Jesus often asks us to obey him in places of extreme disappointment. Jesus often asks for our sacrifice and our yes in a place of rejection. Jesus often asks for us to do the hard thing 
in a group of people that told us no. Jesus often asks for us to stand in a place of extreme disappointment. There's something else you should understand, not just extreme disappointment, but Jesus will often ask you to serve and to obey and to lay down your life and someone else's need gets met and yours doesn't. Are you hearing me? This is the cost of obedience. This is the cost of what it means to follow Jesus. And he often asks for us to obey him in places of extreme disappointment and for us to sit in it and not move past it. That's what true obedience looks like. The people who can keep showing up in places and keep showing up in scenarios and in friendships and in families that are littered with pain and disappointment. The people who can keep showing up when sickness is in their body. The people who can keep showing up when the bank account doesn't seem like you're going to have enough to get through this month. The people who can keep showing up, that's what obedience looks like, church. Jesus will often ask us to obey him in places of extreme disappointment, and it hurts, and it's painful, and it's rough. But here's the truth of the matter, and I want you to hear this. You can't have abundance without obedience. You can't have abundance without obedience, church. All the things that you want in life are on the other side of your yes to God. All the things that you want in your heart are on the other side of the yes. And sometimes in the midst of your desire for abundance, you try to skip the step of obedience. Be careful about accepting an opportunity or a thing or an advancement. That's something you truly, deeply desire in your heart, but it doesn't cost you anything. Be careful. Be careful about desiring more without a yes to God. That's not how this works. That's not kingdom math. That's not kingdom mentality. The only way we are able to experience abundance is when we say yes to God, when we obey. And this is what the fishermen are having to deal with these disciples who are standing upon a place where they experience extreme disappointment and they're navigating the fact that other people's needs are getting met before theirs and they're navigating the fact that everybody else looks like they're receiving from Jesus what they need and they don't even know if they have enough for their families. Extreme disappointment. You can't have abundance without obedience, church. The good thing for us, because our hearts need to be shaped after the heart of Jesus. Our hearts need to be shaped in a way where we can model the character of what Jesus has done. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus didn't have it easy, and you won't either. Jesus didn't have it simplistic, and it'll be complex and complicated for us too. So don't ask for abundance if you're not willing to say yes, church. Young people, Gen Z, millennials, don't ask for more if you're not ready to put the work in. Don't ask for a blessing if you're not ready to carry the burden. Don't ask for the relationship if you're not going to lay yourself down and sacrifice what you truly desire in and of your hearts for what's going to truly and ultimately fulfill you. Don't ask for things that lead to abundance if you're not ready for obedience. And this is what they had to deal with. This is what they had to wrestle with. But it wasn't just there. It says here that, that when he stopped speaking, he says to Simon, the audacity of Jesus to say to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets, poor catch. 
get this. I, I want you to catch this. The audacity of what was being suggested here. The audacity of what was being suggested is that they would have to work all night, go and do something that sacrifices for the benefit of other people and not themselves, and then Jesus was going to tell them, do that thing again. And you can sense that Simon looks around and he says, hold up now. We've toiled all night and caught nothing. I kept casting the net out and pulling it back and it came up empty. And now you ask for more. I gave you more. And now you're telling me to go and do the same thing I've been doing all this time. And Simon was like, I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm talking about. And I can imagine Jesus saying, I created the body of water that you're standing on. Comes to. And perhaps he said it sarcastically or casually or at the end of his rope. Here's what he says. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. Because you say so, the NIV says. I'll let it down. Because you tell me to do it. I'll let it down. Some of us need to reevaluate our person who is speaking to us. We're not talking about any human being. We're not talking about a friend. We're not talking about a friend. We're not talking about a person who is going to lie to us. We serve the God who tells us the truth, who can never fail, who can never lie, who can never be defeated, who can never be put down, whose will can never be superseded. We serve the God that when he speaks, the Bible tells us that the word of God will accomplish everything it was sent to accomplish. And I'm here to remind somebody, remember who's speaking the word to you. It's not me. It's not someone else. It's not your neighbor. It is God Almighty that is speaking the word to you. And, and Simon is able to look up and say, because you said so, I'll do it. Because you said so, I'll say no to this opportunity. Because you said so, we'll get up and move. Because you said so, I'll lay down this amount of money. Because you said so. And here's what we see here. Is you can't have abundance without obedience. You can't have obedience without confidence. You can't obey if you're not confident in the person you're obeying. Can I tell you a story? I'll be honest about this. I was at an event about a week ago, and it was a Christian event, and I was going there to do some research for the church, and at the end of the event, they talked about giving, right? And they said, hey, you know, if you want to give, here's a place where you can give. I was like, okay, cool. And um, God said, give. And I said, okay. And I heard what I felt like God was telling me to give. And I halved it, and then I put that in the little online, you know, giving form that they had. I halved it, and I was getting ready to press send. And God was like, I didn't tell you to give that amount. I told you to give twice that. Now, it's not like this was the greatest amount ever, but you know how it is. You know, you start saying it's the first of the month coming up. You know, you got multiple bills, a lot of stuff happening, you know. I don't know, God, you know, I feel like I feel like this amount is good. He's like, no, give this amount. I'm like, ah, but I kind of feel like this amount is good, though. You know how we do. We start rationalizing back and forth. And then I sat down and I said to myself, am I confident in the God who told me to do it? Am I confident in the God who said, do this? Am I confident in the God who said, give and it shall be given unto you? Are you confident? And I remember saying, all right, fine. So I went ahead and gave the amount God gave. God told me to give. I said, okay, fine. I'll do it. I'll obey. I'm confident. Jehovah Jireh, you are enough. Easy to sing, hard to live, right? 
So time elapses right after that gathering and that event, and I walking around and talking to a couple of people that I knew. And then someone comes up to me and says, hey, man, yeah, that's great. Hey, I, I was in worship, and God told me to sow into you. Mind you, this is 10 minutes after I was trying to have God. He said, God told me during worship that I was supposed to do this. And he said, I'm going to be. <laughs> so while I was hemming and hawing, he was hemming and hawing. And he said, I really believe God told me to do this. He writes me a check exponentially more than what I sowed. Exp exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think. I didn't go there expecting it. I wasn't anticipating it. It wasn't my desire. It wasn't my hope. It was nowhere on my radar. But when you obey God, when you have confidence enough to obey God, when you have confidence enough to say yes, when you have confidence enough to say, I'll do whatever you call me to do, I'll go wherever you call me to, to go, I'll give whatever you call me to give, God meets that confidence with abundance. Does anyone here have a testimony of what God has done? Is anyone able to wave at me in the comments and say, I stepped out by faith and God met me. God had already prepared the place for my feet to land. Is anyone saying I got a testimony of how I made it through 2020 and how I've made it through half of 2021? Is there anybody out there that's saying I have confidence in the God that I'm obeying and that God has met me with abundance? Isn't it something that when we have confidence, God will reward that. And that's exactly what happens here. It says here that the, it was so big, so great. There was so much of an overflow of fish once he cast it out the net that he had to call other people because the blessing that God gives you is never just for you. It's always big enough for other people to receive as well. And so he calls them over and they have to pull it up. And then he's so ashamed because it almost starts to sink the boat. And this is what he says. He fell down and said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. They forsook all and they followed him. It is interesting here because they receive abundance based upon the obedience and the confidence that they had in the word of Jesus. But then once they receive, they let go. It doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Right? Once you receive, you're supposed to keep. Once you acquire, you're supposed to hoard. Once you get, you're supposed to protect. And often it would be easy for me to just simply say, oh, yeah, well, you know what? They got and then they had all these things and just stopped the sermon right there. But that's not how the story ends. The story doesn't end with their receiving and keeping. The story ends with their receiving and surrendering. You don't just need obedience to get. You need obedience after you've already gotten. You don't just need obedience to receive. You need obedience in order to let it go. Here's, here's the point. You can't have abundance without obedience. 
You can't have obedience without confidence. Get this. You can't have confidence without surrender. The question is not, can you obey in order to get? The question is, how far does your obedience reach? Does your obedience reach far enough for you to give up the abundance that you receive? That's true obedience. (laughs) Here's the truth of the matter. See, some of us, what we really need the most is not provision, but a vision of God as provider. Obedience doesn't just cause you to get more. It allows you to see better. When I obey God, now I see that God is capable. And the point is not the thing that God gives me or the reward and the blessing that God clearly and what God is capable of. So now I have more confidence to obey everything that God has called me to do. And then I get the abundance, but I'm able to surrender it because the the stuff doesn't have me. I may have the stuff, but the stuff doesn't have me. I really have the giver of the gifts, not the gifts themselves. And if I just have the gifts, that's not enough to sustain me to where God needs to take me. But I see that the giver is greater than the gift. And so I'm able to surrender me with abundance and I'm able to give it back out. And that gives me more confidence that, that gives me the the ability to obey and then God gives me abundance as a result of that are you hearing me it is not about the provision it's about the vision of God as provider it is not about the thing it is about the person who gives the blessing and this is the true level of obedience not just can you receive it can you give it up you will never stop having to obey the word of the Lord. There is no graduating out. There is no pass where you get through and you're exempt from saying yes to God. And this is for the people who think that you have been part of church so long and you've been saved that you don't have to obey anymore. That's for the young boys. That's for the young kings and queens. They can take care of that. They got to go through the heart. No, if you believe in Jesus, you are called to obey. Right now, wherever you, but it's always going to cost you something. What's the motif? The cost is great, but the gain is greater. So I want to challenge you today, church, because this will be a church, be a church that does the hard thing and takes a risk and takes a step and goes where God calls us to go even if it's uncomfortable, even if people say we shouldn't do it. Who are we obeying? People or God? Lift up your hands. God, we thank you. And we acknowledge that you are real. Your presence is real. You're here with us. And God, I pray right now you would give us, give us the courage to obey, the courage to do everything that you have called for us to do, that we may be a church that does the hard thing, the narrow road, even though it may seem frustrating, it may seem like other people are getting by easier. May we not look at people and what they do. That's between you and them, God. Would we understand in our hearts that you have called for us to radically obey, to surrender? And in that surrender, there's confidence. In that confidence, there's obedience. In that obedience, there's abundance. And I want to challenge you as you're listening I want to pause the prayer and I just want to say for whoever needs to obey God right now, I want you to live to obey. God, give me the strength 
to do what you've called me to do, nothing else, nothing less. May I walk in it, may I believe it, may I write it down, may I commit to it. God, may I trust that the God who called is the God who's faithful. And the God who's faithful is the God who will bless. And the God who, who blesses is the one who can handle my surrender. So God, now give your people the power to obey, to do the hard thing. May we not delay. May we do it today, right now. Even though it's a holiday, may we do it. And take a step. And may we be a church that is known for not just radical welcome and openness and love and compassion, but radical obedience. Everything God called for us to do, nothing less. Nothing less. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, church. Hope you go and walk in obedience this week. God. Thank you so much for joining in to New Dimensions Online Worship Experience. If you're looking for